Hello. Hello. I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And we're here to talk about The Sopranos. Yes, we are. Season five. five. Episode four. four. <laughs> Episode title. You know what people like about podcasts, though? <laughs> what do people like about podcasts? When people say things in unison. Yeah, that's my favorite thing. Yeah. That's why I am a big fan of the medium. Yeah, for a podcast that we plan out zero of <laughs> before we start, um, it's good that we really plan out, like, okay, then we're going to say season five together. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're just, you should see us just planning these things beforehand. Yeah. It's crazy. I think it's really impactful. I think that's mm-hmm. why people listen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also good to have a cat in your room as you record podcast so that you can hear her making little coos in the background if uh, if you're listening intently. It's helpful for our, for a Sopranos audience. Yeah, everyone knows Sopranos fans love cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, Unison. Yeah. And and so wow. So analysis. <laughs> all right. Is the theme song over? I think we're good. Okay, we're good. Um, so we're gonna jump into talking about all happy families. We are. And yeah, where do you want to start? Well, I have written down in the top of my notes, funny haha. Okay. Do you want to talk about things being funny haha? <laughs> we could. Because we were discussing this the other day. I feel like this show starts off on a note where the genre of the show is a little bit more like a, a comedy drama yeah a, dra- a drama it's even maybe broader than that it's it's perhaps like kind of a melange of different genres and comedy is a very which other ones <laughs> comedy I, I drama already... yeah no i said that already. tragedy mm-hmm. um i would say well what are the other what else do we I think have? like tragedy <laughs> would go into drama right it could right like, I yeah. don't think, like, tragedy is a <laughs> That's, like, it's very, TV like, show. Grecian of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's very ancient. Yeah, comedies and tragedies. <laughs> um, that's a good point. Well, it is... Okay, you're right. I guess those are the two main ones. But I feel like we're missing many types of shows. Yeah. There's just a lot of elements. Even, like, Michael Imperioli talking about his reflections on reading the script. He says that he didn't really know what kind of a show it was. And I feel like that element happens more in the beginning of the show where it's harder to pinpoint exactly where it is. Whereas after season three, I feel like we're on this downward trajectory and things are just very bleak. Yeah, It is this very kind of cold, bleak show. And yet, as we were talking about this going into this episode, this episode actually kind of brings back humor in a way. Funny haha. Yeah, funny, haha. Yeah, the first three episodes were really unfunny. Yeah. There weren't those right. same moments. And we right. have a lot of really great moments in this episode. Um, some of them I wrote down. <laughs> like um, when that kid comes out of the college counselor's office. Right. And his mom is like, I just wish she had the minority thing going for him. <laughs> Interestingly, that actually reflects another comment about minorities in the game. Yeah. Where the dick doctor. <laughs> yeah, I love the dick doctor. Dick doctor is talking about how, or sorry, people are telling dick doctor how if they were a minority, they would have a better time getting to the New York Times wedding pages. Right, right. Which is very important to his family. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was actually something that I was finding interesting that that came up multiple times in the episode and that these people who have kind of everything going for them still feel like they are lacking something or like that they're lacking a certain kind of privilege that other people have. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, one of the other funny parts 
was when <laughs> Shoni asks AJ, what's different about you? Right. What was different about him? Was it <laughs> Carmel's <laughs> response is pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Her acting. Yeah. He has no eyebrows, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So, it's funny. Ha-ha. Funny ha-ha. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. Like, I do think it this episode kind of does have that aspect of kind of being very bleak and we're left in some very cold, depressing places. And I feel like everybody is very alone, but humor still kind of interjects at all these different moments in the episode. And I feel like that's maybe been been lacking a little bit. Yeah, no, for, absolutely. For the episodes kind of in the more recent Interestingly, past. the writer of this episode is someone who we haven't seen credited before. Right. Actually, I think and the director. I don't think we've seen either of those. So written by Tony Kalem? Kalem? Kalen? Kalen. Kalem. Directed by Rodrigo Garcia. And we found out that Tony Kalem, Kalem, <laughs> however her last K-A-L-E-M. name. K-A-L-E-M. Yeah. Um, is the actor actress that plays Angie Bobbitt-Zero. Mm-hmm. So who knew? Yeah. And it's cool to see the show. That's just off the top of my head, the third example of somebody who's an actor in the show also writing Michael Imperioli and Steve Buscemi. Right. It's cool how that kind of meta aspect of this show works because it's something that they play with a lot. Yeah, well, it's interesting, like, what that would have meant to be part of this show is pretty interesting, right? Especially because we have an episode, this episode, that features a lot of, cameos. like, cameos. Even, actually, Terrence Winter is an actor in this show, so you have a writer who's actually showing up. I wish you could all see Val's face. It's unimpressed. I just, like, yeah. Val Alex really likes this stuff. <laughs> I think it's fine. It's interesting. Right. That's fine. We're not a trivia show. Yeah, I just feel like it's Sopranos <laughs> trivia. I don't I don't want to go down that. Like, it's like, and then this happened on set. It's like, yeah, okay. Right. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I, I know you like it, so. I love it. Yes, Terrence Winter is Melfi's patient. Thanks. <laughs> and he's sitting there with that big basket of soaps. That's right. The ablution. Ablution. Basket of ablution. Right. We'll talk about that later. Um, or we can talk about it now. I don't know. Whatever you want. <laughs> ablution? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do want to talk about ablution. For a show that's so much about water, uh-huh. well, or we think it's so much about, well, it's not about water. Let's take a step back. <laughs> our show that is about water. <laughs> Have you guys is seen the show another, The Sopranos? Is that another genre that we could have? Water shows. Oh, water shows. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, the Sopranos. <laughs> What's that show? Oh, it's that movie. Splash. Show Hornblower. <laughs> Splash. Fish Splash. called Wanda. Free Willy. Free Willy. Um, so it's not a show about water, but <laughs> it's a show. We really, we do focus on the times where water symbolism comes up a lot. And the concept of ablution has come up before. We've even kind of talked about it with, our characters like Vin McKazian and like um, Ralphie, who right, before, two characters before who... they die, we see them like taking showers mm-hmm. and we see this like a little bit of like a character turn that gives us this other side of them. Yeah. Um, we have characters that often die by, or not, they don't die that way, but once they are dead, they're thrown into water, right? 
um, this season so far, we've had a lot of rain. Yeah. So the fact that this concept is brought up, this ablution, I think is really interesting. This like idea that there is something purifying in water, right? That like by, yeah, like bathing or being thrown into water or these, like we have so many scenes that look out on the water or these bridges that are over water that there's something, yeah, like it's like baptismal or something right. like that. Like there's something well, of terrifying note, about it. Yeah. Well, of note for me, it's something that's of particular interest is that something that we've already talked about is that act of ablution. So taking a shower at pivotal moments for characters, typically before characters are gone, we see them showering themselves before they die. Mm. Typically in a way like where... Like we it, saw Lor Lorraine doing it this episode. Exactly. There's, they're all over the place. Yeah. And typically, maybe not with Lorraine because it's so short, but it happens at a point where the character is kind of redeemed and there are redemptive qualities mm -hmm. that are kind of given to them right before mm -hmm. they die. So what's really interesting is that we've already talked about that and that's already been occurring in the show, but now Kupferberg in his session with Melfi actually directly tackles that and mentions it, which is somewhat rare on this show where they overtly kind of tackle the symbolism and the metaphors. So the fact that he actually brings that up and they are discussing ablution is interesting because it kind of breaks that wall down. Well, he also just says the word, right? Like, Melfi's talking <laughs> yeah. for the most part, and he just is like, ablution. <laughs> he just says that. And so it does stand out. Like, I right. think like, it does make me question why they would mm -hmm. put that in that way. And I think it is calling our attention yeah. to that. Um, and we deal with a lot of, I mean, like, I, I, I want to call them, like, quasi-religious concepts or something like that. But they really are. I mean, they, like, stem from Christianity in a lot of ways, even like you know a lot of our symbolism in our society is based on religious yeah. symbolism right um but it also does tie back into like this relationship with like like we've seen we've seen carmela have with her faith and we've seen other characters kind of like grappling with their faith you know whether it's in religious organizations or in each other um that there is this kind of there's a at least in in religion, which you can believe it or not, there is always this this potential to have a ablution. Mm -hmm. um, and right, yeah. So I don't know to so be absolved of your sins. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, Interestingly, Carmela is in the bath at that moment when mm -hmm. she calls Meadow mm -hmm. right after she lets AJ go to New York. Mm -hmm. So she's looking for some kind of redemption or something in that moment too. Like it's a big moment for her to let AJ go and she's trying something new and she's also looking for love from AJ, which she feels like she's not getting. Yeah. She feels like AJ hates her and she's doing something to kind of repair that relationship and then she's taking this bath, which is interesting when they people are talking about ablution and baths and these things that Tony is sending to Melfi with, you know, bath goods. Yeah, it's all very... It's all very interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to keep looking out for, because, like, I think, like, in past viewings, I have focused on water, like, when it's, like, a body of water. Mm -hmm. But I haven't as much focused on water in other contexts. So, like, even, like, rain, for example, mm -hmm. I'm noticing more this season. The showers and the baths, I'm noticing more the this pipes. season. Yeah, like, the pipes was when I was emailing with a listener, <laughs> and he brought up something about a, um, 
about the pipe, like Livia mentioning the sound of the pipes mm-hmm. in her house, like way back. And I was like, oh man, like. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I never even thought about the pipes. And then like, oh my gosh, we have like the pipe layers union that we're involved. So like, right. anyways, right. that's just me getting a little excited. <laughs> uh-huh. But I think we even have like other issues like with a plumber's union, mm-hmm. maybe this season or maybe it's next season. I forget. Right. But like all these things that are like associated with water. Anyways. Yeah. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but that's what I like to do. Maybe we'll watch so the show again. Fun. One other little, well, like water slash spelling error slash foul. Tonyism. Yeah. The foul <laughs> language. So that's interesting, of course, like with Tony's love of his ducks. Right, hmm. foul. Hmm. Um, uh, he would have misspelled that word. Right. It was also just a beautifully written letter. It was very good. I liked it very much. That was another uh, great example of funny haha. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great <laughs> letter. It was also, I think, it was like as good as AJ's C paper. Hmm, maybe even better. So it's good. Maybe that, like more C. Yeah, it's good that AJ now has Tony to like help him with his Spanish homework and stuff like that. That's right. You know? It is. I think he's going to be great. Yeah. That, I think, is a very integral part of this episode. That is kind of like a key question is who is AJ becoming? I think they're really starting to expand him as a character. And obviously, he's becoming somebody very different than than Meadow. Um, It's obviously of great concern to Carmela. I mean, or not. Like, Meadow was, like, doing E when she was in high school. Was she? Don't you remember? (laughs) I don't know. I forgot as soon as she went to... Became so amazing. I know. Became so amazing. Yeah. Um, But she still went to Columbia, so she's amazing. Um, No, like, she was... You're right. ...fucking off. But she had better grades. She She was was actually focusing on studying. Yeah. I mean, kind of. She did... She was, like, partying before the SATs or whatever and, like, coming down off of E. Right. So. Yeah. As Tony said, it's normal out adolescent shit. Yeah, no, but I'm not like judging it, but I, but like she was also like, I don't nasty think, though, that to she her was parents. In, oh, definitely. I don't think she was in, at a point though where like the counselor was saying like we're approaching a crisis point, mm-hmm. and they they were looking at university. I mean, she did get into Columbia. It wasn't like her reach schools were Arizona State like they are for AJ. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Arizona State if you're listening and went there. It's a party school. We're cool with it. Is it? Yeah. Oh, who knew? Yeah. AJ would have a lot of fun there. Maybe there's some Mudvayne fans. I don't know anything about Mudvayne. I don't even know if that's a real band. Hmm. Um, might be. It might be. Yeah. Um, and then we also, like, we see, like, the connections to Meadow here, too. Like, she is, like, she's fucking off all on her own. Like, she's supposed to be this amazing <laughs> adult. Right. Um, but she's, like, too busy making out with her boyfriend to be responsible she doesn't want aj there right she's busy with finn finn <laughs> and this movie that they're watching so Frida. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know like i don't know how i don't know i don't know how different meadow really is i mean aj is definitely a better liar mm-hmm. than meadow although she was pretty good herself but like the lying that he's doing when they're like, when he's like, I only had a few beers, right? And he's right. like, you never believe me. Like, he's lying and being manipulative all at the same time, Well, also right? he says that he did no drugs, right? Which well, is exactly. right after Carmel said, you are, 
you are a liar. AJ says, fuck you. Yeah. In that moment where Carmela falls on the stairs. Yeah. But even when he gets Tony's response to kind of protect him, that's through a lie. He was doing drugs. We were yeah. able to witness him doing yeah. his bong or whatever in the hotel room. Is that what it's called now? Doing, doing, this, doing, doing, doing his bong. Doing this bong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys. AJ was doing the bog, <laughs> and I'm very concerned about him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I am too. <laughs> he was smoking the weed. Smoking the bog. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so for me, I don't know. For me, like, it is kind of like, it, for what it's showing me is that there's, like, there's obviously something, like, universally teenage mm-hmm. about kids um and kids are brought up a lot in this episode but um but also like there's something about the soprano household that kind of like i don't want to say like elicits this behavior but that teaches this behavior in some way like you do right exactly you know and so you know carmela and tony like carmela does blame herself right like she says something about like blaming herself mm-hmm. for something. I don't think Tony does at all. No. You know? Um, so, yeah, we've seen them do that before where they, like, don't... Which is and interesting. even, like, the college... Yeah. Count, like, Meadows counselor or whatever, the one that they didn't want to send AJ to a yeah. adolescent therapist because of this mm-hmm. therapist, but, like, said something about, like, maybe your parents need to examine, like, their need for you to go to Columbia... Uh, I think that's still true now. And even mm-hmm. Carmela kind of brings it up in her conversation with, what's yeah. his name? Guy. That guy? He's a, the guy. I know. Counselor. Counselor guy. Wegler. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, so there is this aspect of like, you know, kind of not examining their own behaviors. Yeah. Too. Um, I think the scene on the stairs is really important. Uh-huh. And... Um, you know, Ron from Soprano's Autopsy mentions talks a lot about stairs, and we've talked a lot about stairs and kind of like the cruelty that happens there. But I was really questioning, like, for Carmela to like run up the stairs after AJ, there was something about that for me. Like, she's like trying to save AJ from that same cruelty that she's seen exhibited by Tony, by hmm. his mom. Yeah. You know? She's like she's chasing after him. She's trying to stop him. And I think like that scene then later when he's like when she has that like weird flashback to yeah. him being a kid and rolling down the driveway. Um, for me, for some reason, those two scenes were connected. It was kind mm. of this like um, I don't know, like very heightened, um, uh, dramatic. Yeah. Dramatic not the right. I, I'm struggling to find the right word, but like this like chase scene that's yeah. like very um, energized or something like that. There was that. also a connection for me from AJ going down the driveway on the tiny wheels or whatever you call those. What do you call them? The, t- the tiny wheels? Big wheels? The, <laughs> the big wheels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the opposite of tiny wheels. Uh, big wheels. Yeah. When he's going down on the big wheels, there was also a connection to the very early scene where AJ is driving the Mercedes and kind of rapidly kind of driving down the driveway and then reversing back up. I think you're right. Something about kind of him leaving the property or running up the stairs, the the directionality of that, going yeah. up or down, Carmela chasing him, well, having him the ability to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually really interesting. 
And also the indifference that AJ shows once he gets to the top of the stairs, when Carmella falls and does hurt herself and he kind of just shrugs it off and leaves. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, yeah, for me it was like, in the, in the flashback scene, like, Carmella was kind of, like, at the top of the stairs. I mean, it was at the top of the driveway, but, like, they were kind of, like, the positions were kind of switched, right? And, like, like AJ had an opportunity at that point to, like, go back down and meet his mom down the stairs mm-hmm. and help her, right? But he didn't do that. Right. Um, and also, he's coming down the stairs the next morning when Tony is there saying, yeah. oh, I'm just bringing out the garbage. Yeah, yeah. That's such an AJ scene <laughs> with those no eyebrows. It's classic adolescent yeah. maneuver. Well played. <laughs> yeah. I never did that, really. I would suck up a little bit, but I didn't go that far. It's pretty far. Yeah. yeah. I think I really did stuff like that. <laughs> that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So anyway, so there, yeah, the scenes with the kids and Carmela and Tony are pretty interesting this episode. Um, There's some other stuff that actually as well, though, like Carmela talking about him as he was the one who had the concept of sharing before any of the other toddlers saying AJ was always the sweet one. It's funny that she has to go back that far in her memory to think of something, to think of an example of him being sweet. And also in terms of child development, the fact that he understood the concept of sharing shouldn't really be that indicative of who he will be as an adult. Mm. I wouldn't have thought, but you're the expert. I I was going to say, I didn't know that you were the child development (laughs) expert, but actually I just wanted to hear your opinion. Yeah, I, I don't really. And then we can really... talk about some jazz standards or something. <laughs> well, no, I think that's I think that's well said. I mean, like, like Thanks. everyone is, <laughs> you know, everyone's plastic, right? And so, like, you know, neuroscientists believe that nothing is really fixed ever. I mean, there's times where you're more easily molded or yeah molded into something different right yeah. there's like sensitive periods in your development yeah which aj probably missed out on, but maybe there were times that were really good for mm-hmm. aj right and so it's kind of like looking at his whole life as a whole and how he is where he is yeah. now and his biology and his environment right it's all yeah. it's all linked in there for him yeah um there's what a few, else? There's a few other things with AJ, yeah. too. There's him yeah. getting the car, realizing right, it's an SUV, one. saying it's bad for the ozone, and then saying, yeah. screw it. <laughs> yeah. he's. I mean, he is complicated, right? Like, But he, not that complicated. He's not that complicated. No, but, like, yeah, like, at least that's something that he's, like, aware of and knowledgeable about, kind of, for, like, or at least a soundbite. Um, the one that I was going to mention was, like, when they brought up that AJ hadn't mentioned the death of those yeah. kids. That was the other one I wanted to talk about. And it's interesting. Like, and I, like the Wegler, is that, is that his name? I think you're right. I so, forget his first I name. mean, could be anything, really. Um, <laughs> the guy, the count, the college counselor. Yeah. I'm going to call him Wegler. Um, that he kind of brushes it off and says like, oh, like everyone deals with things in different ways or whatever. But like, for me, it's like, well, is he a sociopath? Oh, probably. You know, <laughs> is he like, like what's wrong with him? Right. You know? We don't like, really it, know how close AD, he was to them. Is it ADHD? No, we don't know. Yeah. You know, um, but it is interesting anyways. It just like, that's like kind of a throw, not a throwaway line, nothing's a throwaway line, but that it, this is something that is brought up, right? Like, this is something the writers wanted to put into that segment, mm-hmm. right? They added in this death of these two kids in a car. Yeah. 
Um, so what is it that we're examining about AJ? Yeah. Through that story, um, whatever item. Yeah, story item. I don't think that's what it is. You know what I mean? What, what's I the term I'm looking for? Story item. I like it. No. <laughs> Plot point. Plot point. Bad. Yeah. Story, Story item. item. <laughs> They're both fine. We've, totally we've, we've been having beers tonight. This is like probably right. not wise, but that's okay. Um, yeah. Well, I, we... I still have a lot. I still have a lot, so we should probably yeah, no, me too. get through it. Um, so yeah, AJ Meadow. Um, the other thing that kind of like linked for that for me, there was the scene kind of like following or like during the time where AJ was partying and Meadow was having fun with Finn. And um, there was all these phone calls going on, which reminded me kind of of our noticing of phones um, in past episodes yeah. that there is pink this... phone in this one. A pink phone? Yeah. Who had a pink phone? I think it was Meadow. Oh. Her... No. She had like a boring I didn't write it down. Room. Okay. Somebody had a pink phone. Hmm. check it out if any of you want to watch the episode again and email us who had a pink phone um so like there is this like in terms of like maybe like in terms of the title even like about families and how families communicate and how these members of this family communicate it's like all through all these kind of like broken channels um and missed and like ignoring people's calls like mm-hmm. screening people's calls right. and, um so that kind of stood out for me yeah, there, everyone's phones ringing and nobody picking them up except like right. Tony does pick up Carmela's call. Right. When and, Carmela's kind of freaking out. And yeah. Then Tony kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I there's to... also Tony near the beginning of the episode. There's a couple examples of him being kind of duplicitous, um, and also having a lack of understanding of his role in problems around him. One being. Everything disappears around here. He's freaking out about the Dewalt drill, which mm-hmm. we know is his fault because he gave it to Brian. Mm-hmm. And then we he does actually mention that he gave it to Brian. But then there's also him immediately after um, him talking about, you're not the only one who needs to cut back on the shit you need, saying that he needs therapy, but he's cut back on it because of divorce well, costs, which is just completely yeah. untrue, completely fabricated, and it's just a self-serving lie. Because we know that he left therapy before they were getting divorced. And we know that he left for reasons that have nothing to do with that. We know that actually, even even more so, he was actually leaving in many ways because, I guess, of his... Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is interesting. We also see Tony in this episode really dealing with, like, being old or, like, these concepts. Again, like, we've had this in a couple of the episodes this season and in other episodes throughout. But... We have a couple of lines from Tony, like he's like, like we have a line that's saying like, he's old. How do you think that feels? Yeah. And we have. Well, then it cuts right from that to Carmelo looking at a Botox ad. Yeah. No. Um, we have him later on in the episode saying to Feech Lamana, like, we don't want to hear anymore about your day. Yeah. Right. And Feech throughout the episode is referring to like always being like, oh, the kids will go out and get yeah. like, and like saying to Tony, like, I still remember you as a kid, right? Or, like, telling the story about the card game yeah. and how Tony was a kid, right? So, you know, for Tony, that's really challenging to deal with. He's also dealing with the way that his from his mob family, like, 
if they're really his family, like if they're really people that kind of treat him honestly. In some ways, Feech is like one of the more honest guys. Like he is doing things that are kind of shady, but like at least he like then is kind of upfront with it. He's like, yeah, I took them to Johnny Sachs guys. Like he kind of like doesn't care. Um, Yeah. And in that moment, actually, of the joke about the boring 747, well, everybody's losing their mind and laughing with or at Tony, depending on how you read it, features there just knifing his role. Yeah. Which is interesting because then Tony actually has a flashback of that moment, and, which is rare in this in show. And zooms in on that scene. Zooms in on his face. I mean, he's not putting on airs at all. He's just upset with Tony and yeah. he, he shows it. Um, what's really interesting about that is that potentially that's why he gets targeted, actually. So Tony is dealing with this crisis of, do I actually have friends in some mm-hmm. ways? Because Carmela puts that on him. Which is fascinating, actually, because Carmela brings that up right after saying how hateful AJ is. She says, he's so hateful. And then she says to him, you just have flunkies, no friends. So in a a way, she is this kind of hateful attack where she goes straight for his jugular. Mm -hmm. She kind of goes straight for an area where she knows that Tony would be weak Mm -hmm. and is kind of attacking him. And then Tony, I think, has to deal with that. I mean, he is running a business, and I think a lot of his decisions are primarily financial. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that he is, it's difficult for him to deal with that. And for him psychologically, he isn't sure if he actually has friends. And yet. But he talks about other, like they talk about Feech, right? And he's like, oh, well, he's well liked, right? Like when Tony's mm-hmm. like, did I learn nothing from Richie? Right. Real, right. Um, when Feech does go back to jail, he's like, I'm not running a popularity contest right. or whatever, right? Like, so he is dealing with this concept of like. Absolutely. But I think on a personal level, he is dealing with, do I actually have friends or are they flunkies? And I think the question for us as audience members is, in some ways, did he target Feech because he didn't play along? That's what I was left to wonder about. Is that, yes, maybe he dealt with it in an astute way as a leader and as a boss. But in some ways, did he actually set up this situation because Feech isn't a flunky to him mm-hmm. and he's challenged by that and that's an interesting question so even though Carmela addresses that and he's thinking about it it might actually be true it might actually be a weakness of his and yeah. it might be something that he's uncomfortable with yeah no absolutely I think that's a really good point there's also like interestingly multiple scenes where we have to kind of question Tony's relationship with people there's the one that they focus on in slow motion but even before that there's the one where he talks to I just call him Dick Doctor Dick Doctor Mm -hmm. DD Dr. Freed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he says to him where's my invite and then everybody pauses and stops Mm -hmm. and nobody's responding and my read on that is complicated because until everybody starts laughing I don't know whether to be concerned I don't know if it's a joke. Mm. In fact, even after people laugh, I don't know if it's a joke. Yeah. And I don't know if that actually is how Tony intended it. Well, but... it's interesting because he twice at least refer like says explicitly like he's my friend. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And then later on he says to Feech like I told you right. right he's my friend. Right. Right. And that's really interesting. And friends do invite people to their kids weddings yeah you know? you're right and he didn't get invited um and you know i i think he does laugh it off like a joke but then we when we have the fallout from that where like there's the cars that are missing and stuff yeah. like that like it's clear what their relationship is they're not friends he's not doing that as a friend right you know yeah it's just interesting how he has such a complicated relationship with the people around him and yeah. it probably would be a stretch to call him friends with really any of them there is this 
air of people needing to make him happy, Mm -hmm. which does complicate it. And I don't know if he really has anything outside of that. I guess he has Artie, but we've also seen how well he says complicated that. He's like, that what is. about Artie? Like he's like when and yet Carmel in the last like episode, that. as of one episode ago, they were not talking. Yeah. And when they start talking, we're left with the impression that it's just because Tony wants to offload his linens to him and make money off of it. Yeah. So what does that really say about their friendship? I the don't. level of their friendship. I don't know. Um, I do think it's funny that the dick doctor had to sedate his daughter. <laughs> See, funny haha. Ha. It was funny haha. Ha. Um, <laughs> I also do like the way that Tony wears tracksuits at home now. Yeah, that's like he looks a, great. a new thing this season that yeah, he has a lot really of like war kind of tracksuits. Yeah, when he hangs out with his dude friends. Um, the relationship again, like, uh, I just like, I always like feel like Tony Blundetto, we have so much more time with him, but we just don't. Like, yeah. we see him for a minute it's at crazy. the poker game, and then we see him sitting on the couch later on with Artie and Tony and AJ. Yeah. And that's it. That's yeah. it. But we get this sense that, like, they are close. So, like, yeah. Tony, like, I don't know. And, oh, well, I guess he's at the pool also. We forgot when we were watching that scene where his twins are there and we were like how does he have these twins again that are this age and then the show just but lets then you the know show right tells away you about the sperm smuggling <laughs> and you get the sense that tony soprano is involved in that somehow oh yeah totally yeah he's a sperm smuggler that is weird <laughs> um but so we have these scenes where they do like you you can like have sense this closeness between them but then you also have these scenes that have a lot of tension between the two of them like when he's kind of like oh isn't this a big game big stakes for you or whatever and even in that scene where they're at the pool um tony soprano is kind of like lumbering over him like standing when he's sitting like tony blandetto sitting by the pool and tony soprano is like standing over him really yeah largely he's like kind of like yeah, it's like shot in this way that makes our Tony look really big. Yeah. Um, it makes me think too about the title, All Happy Families, when mm-hmm. I think about who the families are that show up in this episode. Mm-hmm. One being Tony Blundetto and his twins. One being Tony and Sony Soprano and Carmela and AJ and Meadow, mm-hmm. who are kind of a split up family right now. We have Dick Doctor and his family who are kind of robbed from and you know, have this kind of wedding that explodes at this kind of happy moment for their family. So there really aren't any happy families. Mm-hmm. They're all complicated and they're all kind of tragic, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Well, we have references to two books that I love in this episode, right? Because this line is the first line of Anna Karenina. Um, all happy families are the same, but all unhappy families are different in a lot of ways something like that it's like, it's the <laughs> yeah I think, I think that's the first line of the book i think that's there it. It was different like, in a lot of ways i think i think question mark <laughs> yeah that's how it was written. so deep i know but um but we also have reference to madame bovary yeah I don't know, those are two books i had to read in english class right at the, like around the, like around the same time but i do have them on my bookshelf they were the best of times they were the the times were fine i guess yeah <laughs> amazing wow there's so many great lines of literature um but yeah, like it is like it's like what what does make a happy family or what is a happy family? Are there happy families? Right. Um, yeah, 
I should have pulled out the book to <sighs> get that first line. Well, if but... there are, they're all happy in the same way. Yeah, like it's not as exciting to be a happy family. Right. Way more exciting to be unhappy. Um, I also, yeah, like, so yeah, I, I, I had some more stuff about Feech. That's okay. We'll leave Feech. No, I had some more on him too, so yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. Okay. No, I wanted to, like, he's just such, such a weird character arc. Like, he just, like, yeah. he, he shows I mean, up. Sorry, like, spoiler, we don't see him again. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone back to jail. Okay. <laughs> so we've had four episodes where we know this Feech Lamana. We have an amazing sense of who he is and how crazy he is. Yeah. Um, But we also do get this sense of his own, like, he's part of, like, Junior's generation, right? And he even makes some comments about, like, Junior's card game, and he's kind of, like, looking down on Junior, like, how's Junior running this card game kind of thing, right? right? Like, he sees himself as more, like, virile or whatever. Right. Um, And then, again, like, with his thing, like, calling people kids, I find it really interesting. But then he's so easily manipulated by Christopher right. and Benny, by these young, like, even younger guys. Right. Right? Like... They're so they can play him so well, right? And trick him so well. So I just thought that that was like a interesting end for this character, right? And it is. I, I think I think you were correct when you were saying like that. It is. It's kind of ambiguous. Like, did Tony? Well, first of all, I guess like, did Tony call the parole officer? I think it's implied that something happened there. I think so too. Yeah. But we, don't, but we don't know. Um, but, like, why did Tony do that, right? Was it because he went against Tony's orders or whatever? Or was it because people liked him? Hmm. And he was threatening in that way. Yeah, I think that is the ambiguity in yeah. that. I mean, it's largely the case could be made that it's a business decision mm-hmm. and that he's overstepping his bounds. But... <sighs> that question does still persist and you have to ask it and there is no definitive answer. Mm -hmm. It's one of those great ambiguities in the show. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting and indicative of Feech's values too. When he's meeting with Tony at the end, he says, I'm sorry if I offended you. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of how it's left Mm -hmm. where Feech is concerned about breaking the rules and offending Tony Soprano as Don Antonio. Right. He's nobody gives a shit really about Tony's friend. Or wreaking havoc on these people or his car. Yeah. Or the impact on this young couple's wedding. None of those things matter. It's just about offending the boss because he's the most important person. Yeah. So you really get a taste of the lack of empathy, the grounding in the mob values and the mob hierarchy. And that's really all that matters. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I just, yeah, I found myself as he was being bussed off, like that, that arc is just so fascinating. Here we are in, in episode four. And we have a character who was kind of prepared in a way that seemed like he could be the primary antagonist mm-hmm. of this season. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone. Yeah. So episode four, I can't think of many shows that would do that. Introduce a new character in episode one and yeah. have them gone in episode four. Yeah, it's that, amazing. And, uh, I mean, for myself, and I, I feel like most people who have seen the show multiple times and have some time away from it, as you reflect on the season, it seems like Feech Laman is a way bigger presence. Because yeah. the writing is so efficient you and so strong, him. and he's such a fully fleshed out character, mm-hmm. he seems like a bigger personality yeah. than he actually is. I mean, four episodes is nothing. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's really crazy. The other character that we've talked about, I think, so far all through this season, um, mm-hmm. 
the introduction of Phil Leotardo yeah. is like the best shit I've seen in a long time. Yeah. He has not had any words yet, I don't think. No, he has now, I think. No, he was silent in the car when his brother or whoever, the other Le- Billy Leotardo and the other guy who killed Lorraine, he didn't say anything. He was wow. just sitting there in the car. That's crazy. And then they say something about Phil Leotardo later. Wow. But that's it. Which is especially like, amazing because you know, I mean, he was in Goodfellas. So, like, he's, yeah. like, a major actor. Yeah. And them bringing him in is a big deal. And I'm sure they had plans to unroll him as a major character. Yeah. So the fact it's that, so yeah. so amazing. They're that patient is really cool. Yeah. And maybe now that Feech Lamana is gone, it kind of creates space for a character yeah. like that. Another character kind of from that generation who's been in jail. I would say, like, he's as old as Feech. But it's, no, he's not, but there's only room for so many antagonizing characters in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Feech is gone now, I think it does create space for another character mm-hmm. who can kind of fill that void. Yep. And I think that that does happen. And yep. I think that that's also why they're such great writers. They know how much one can handle and they know how to roll things out. Yeah, it's just so amazing. And like, you know, if for some reason, well, not for some reason, but if this is your first viewing and you don't know Phil Leotardo... Um, you'll see, you know, he kind of lasts us through a next the next little bit of the show. Yeah. He's one of the more, like, long-standing guys in some ways. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And he's on, he's on Johnny Sack's side. Yep. Not on Lil Carmine's side. <laughs> Lil Carmine's side doesn't seem to be going too well. It's he does not. have Frankie Valley on his side, though. Yeah. Playing Rusty. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad he has him. Seems like they're outmatched. Yeah. <laughs> Jersey boy, guy from Miami who organizes wet t-shirt competitions. Not Angelo. Not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just had a couple other little things. Do okay. You have anything? Yeah. Go for it. Um, I just, I always, I just thought it was interesting how Tony brought up the concept of like the carrot and the stick, right? Mm-hmm. Like how to motivate AJ. Right. And it was funny. Like a lot of characters in this episode were talking about how to motivate AJ, and even the guy who I'm still calling Wegler. I really hope I'm <laughs> close because I keep saying it. Um, but he was like, I thought I knew how to motivate AJ, but I don't anymore because this camp doesn't take guys with no eyebrows or whatever like he's making these jokes and that was like the ruse that's that he... pretty funny haha i mean it really is <laughs> he's a he's a jokester i'm that surprised guy. that carmella likes him when you look at her taste in men he doesn't seem to fit i know the it's interesting but she does we always know carmella's she eyes listens, she listens to such such like emotionally romantic over-the-top music she really does um but we also have like um we haven't mentioned another time about like like oh that was right that was his like ruse to get Carmela to come and have lunch with him was right. like I have some strategies to right. motivate AJ, and which is an interesting case of manipulation there yeah too, coming totally. from a character that we would have thought wouldn't engage in that totally um but then we have Tony like coming like he's like talking about the carrot and the stick I don't know if there's really like a stick for AJ. Um, and the carrots aren't used that wisely. Like we hear that, like, you know, Tony bought him that new drum set, right? Like it was. Right. Didn't even look in the classifieds. Didn't even look in the classifieds. This is, yeah, it was $5,000. Where did he found this out? That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's insane. I can't even. So, yeah. Um, and the other line that I, I just, I, I should have talked about it when I, when we were talking about Carmela and AJ, 
um, is that Tony says to Carmela, like, you're her mother. You're his mother. It's different. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like, then, and then we see AJ, like, you know, moving in with Tony and being part of this, like, guys thing. Right. And he does seem to kind of fit in there. But I do think, like, again, this show has, you know, dealt a lot with the relationship between mothers and sons. And I think that's maybe kind of the main difference with Meadow and Carmela versus Meadow and AJ is that there is this kind of like generational issue with mothers that's kind of being passed down and the way that Tony treats his own mother Mm. and the way like Tony treats Carmela even like it would be really hard to be anything but that um, for AJ. Yeah. You know, and you see like different examples of it. Um. Like you, you see it. You see different relationships between like Carmela and her parents, for example, that maybe Meadow would have learned from differently. Right. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. absolutely. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Any other things that you have? Nope. Nope. That's it. Okay. Well, then that's all. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. All happy families. I feel like after this episode, season five really has some a a string of really strong episodes and i think that it kind of like picks up its pace a little bit yeah the back half of the season is some of the craziest yeah that we get yeah spoilers um these first couple episodes like i think i said slower paced it's slower paced it's like like we said like up until this episode less kind of funny Mm -hmm. um more focused on the mob stuff um, but we are, I don't know. But we, then kind of leads to anticlimax. Yeah, totally. So, anyways. Um, hope you're enjoying. Yeah, thank you for listening. We and always appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good day. Or, or night. night. Yeah. <laughs> or afternoon. Yeah. Morning. <laughs> really could be anything. Yeah. Um, okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>